Welcome to the Friendly Aussie Podcast. This is episode 10, and this is the final part of our three-part discussion with Abe. Um, Abe is from the Cannabis Museum in New Zealand, and he's going to give us a rundown on the election and what's happening over there, the referendum. Well, it's important context because that that experience that Labour had with that referendum, like knowing the logic of why a referendum at the election would be good for them is what allowed this current one to happen. Mm. Because the two coalition partners of labor at the moment are the Greens again for the first yeah. time since back in 99 to 02. Right. And New Zealand first, which is kind of like a, um, the closest thing we have to a right wing racist party, but the New Zealand version, sure. like the leader is Maori. Um, but they're in, uh, um, they're in power, is what you're saying, or they're in opposition. No, no. They so these are the three parties that make up the current coalition. Oh, I see. So, okay. so New Zealand first is quite right wing, yeah. and very conservative. Yeah. And the Greens are, you know, very left, and the Greens. Yeah, sure. And the Greens had continued to abandon cannabis, mm. even with it resurging in public, and um, they were always say they would always dodge it by saying, "Oh, look, you know." Sure, legalized cannabis, but it's not a priority for us. We've got this and this and this, and they would always try to avoid talking about it. Sure. Um, but in this last election that we had, there was a new party that emerged that I actually left the legalized cannabis party to join because oh. it was so compelling. And it was a third party that uh, was called the Opportunities Party, and it was meant to be centrist and not really left or right, but all about sort of evidence-based policy, essentially, and drug okay. reform was one of their key planks and cool. cannabis reform was front and center for them. And they wanted to make it an election issue. Whereas yeah. everyone else was like, Oh yes, yes. But can we please talk about something else? Mm. And so, um, that their policy was so well written and so based on public health best practice. And from what I knew as trying to be this academic, you know, supporter of law reform, I would go to all these conferences at the university and public health lectures and study of drug policy society. And, and, you know, they're not against people using drugs. They just want it to be safe from a public health perspective. And right. there's ways that you can do that, you know, with social clubs and not commercialization and things like yeah. that. And so I understood that. And, and that was the policy that this party rolled out with no input from me. Oh, and wow. I saw it and I was like, oh, well, they're clearly going to smash at this election. I'm joining them. I mean, I, you know, you, you'd be a joke like, you know, if, if there's somebody out there doing it better and you don't join them, yeah, then you're yeah. just being a fucking, you know, just sour grapes. Yeah. yeah. But um, so they gave a green, the Greens a run for their money. They just made this huge splash of like, we're pro-cannabis, we're not ashamed. Mm. And, and their poaching of me from the Legalized Cannabis Party actually made national news. One of the few times I was interviewed on national radio and, um, and, and you know, got a chance to really bring in some of those messages uh, to that audience. And so... The Greens took notice and they were like, oh, shit, you know, we need to say something about cannabis. And they sort of dipped their toe in the water a little bit tentatively, like said something really tame and shit. Right. And they got so much positive feedback yeah. that they were like, oh, we have to try this. They're like, I guess maybe it isn't a liability. And they tried it more and they tried it more up to the very last day of the 2017 election. They bought for the final day where advertising was allowed. A full pay, a full giant size color digital billboard. Yes, we cannabis. Oh, yeah. Oh, with yeah. the woman, like this woman who's now associate health minister, who's, yeah, who's a yeah. friend of mine. And um, 
And they were like deliberately trying to rip the rug out from under this opportunities party with I jo- which I joined. But um, but but it it made them up their game, you know. So it sure. was you know like the I didn't actually expect to be elected, and God forbid if I what I mean that's so much time, and I mean I don't mm-hmm. think. It's, you get paid, but for the amount of time you're required to commit. I mean, fuck, I couldn't smoke much weed today because of all my parental responsibilities. Imagine if I was in fucking parliament. That's what happened to the Rasta guy. He had to quit smoking weed, basically, because he had so much work to do. Um, so Yeah, there's a work-life balance, definitely. But so, again, this is part of the important context because labor had been primed to understand the logic behind a referendum, cannabis yeah. referendum, at this time at the general. And the Greens had all of a sudden found their mojo back with cannabis and like we're getting really into it and just like escalating, escalating, escalating. Yeah. And New Zealand first is, you know, a right wing bigot party. So they love direct democracy because uh-huh. that's the only way, you know, racist bigoted bullshit can get through. <laughs> and so they um, they love referendums. And so yeah. Winston Peters, their leader, um, who's now our deputy prime minister, he um would always try to dodge the cannabis question by saying, oh, well, because he hated it, but he didn't mm-hmm. want to come across as, as too bigoted. And so he would say, well, we should put it to a referendum because their whole party was about referendum. So if the public, you know, if the public voted, I would have to support it because if the public votes for racism, you would have to support it. You know, <laughs> you know it was that kind of uh, quid pro quo. But um, I love it. so uh, <laughs> I think that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, yeah. The new the new future is we'll get to smoke weed, but everyone has to be vegan. So uh, yeah, it's it's gonna be trade offs. It's like that uh, Woody Allen movie. Uh, but um, so so it was a perfect storm of a dude who loves referendums, a Labour Party that understood the logic of a referendum at the general, and a Green Party that wanted to. Ha- they needed a symbolic. We did something for cannabis right. out of that coalition negotiation or they were basically like really what's that well if well because basically they're shit if they didn't get you know they they finally rested the cannabis vote and ran it through and then if they didn't actually do something it would be like okay what what the the fuck yeah Yeah. um so uh that was how it came about that was the only thing when it came to cannabis the only thing that those three people could agree on was a referendum at the general election, yeah, that would have to be legally binding. Well, there you go. Perfect yeah. storm. It's beautiful. As you said. Yeah. What's the actual question? Has it been written yet? No, it hasn't. Yeah, I didn't think so. That's but, uh, but it's coming up. What's, oh, yes. the date? What's the date for this, uh, this What's that? The date? Um, the know? date will be October or November when we have our election, cool. which oh, hasn't been called yet. yet. No, no. I mean, it could be our election could be called at any time. Right. I mean, right. the big, the biggest threat for a while, which I think we're out of the woods now, um, was that for some some shit happened that would force an early election. Yeah, which means you wouldn't have time to There was campaign. time to do the referendum, yeah, and then yeah. it would just fall by the wayside. Yeah. Um, so, and unfortunately, the Justice Department really dragged their heels. Um, like we were saying since the thing was, when it was announced on election night, like, dude, I was, I was gutted. This <laughs> new opportunities party that I joined, yeah. instead of League Ice Cannabis Party, very first election they ever ran, uh-huh. we got... 2.5%, you know, like, or more. It was like after the specials, more than that, but we were like over halfway. Yeah. And, and like, we fought a good campaign. The Green Party deliberately 
knifed us in the back and took all our cannabis support. So uh-huh. like we were good. And our leader was an eccentric millionaire who like couldn't keep his mouth shut and fucking hated cats. <laughs> so things um, were against you though. Yeah. So yeah. like for all intents and purposes, we should have pulled it out is what I'm saying. But, um, so I was, I was really gutted on election night and the greens had stolen our mojo and like, you know, fucked us and gotten in. And we were like, you know, sitting at the cannabis museum at this time. And, um, basically we, you know, because we were such a hub for cannabis enthusiasm, we had an election night party where the local candidate for the legalized cannabis party, the local, uh, one of the main local organizers for the greens and the local candidate for the opportunities party were all there smoking weed together. Wow. Um, (laughs) yeah, exactly what i call bipartisanship but then but then yeah in these days following because the negotiations went on for some time because like winston peters didn't decide like he could have gone either way Mm -hmm. and he's centrist so he was leaving everybody hanging for quite a while we didn't know whether it was labor national that was going to get back in yeah and um ultimately he did go with jacinda but they had to have the greens to be able to do that Mm -hmm. and he wanted to do that to stick it to national because they had really tried to put him in the grave like multiple times and so, but that meant he had to stomach the greens and some of their stuff. And so that's what ultimately happened. But Unholy all of it, you know, like me and us other cannabis activists and opportunities party people, we were like, oh, fuck this. And then all of a sudden they're on the radio and we'll be having a cannabis referendum legally binding. On that. What? <laughs> what? So maybe he did push the issue after all. Well, we did. I mean, in the sense that we got the Greens thinking about it, the sense that we had had influence on labor. I mean, like, yes, all of this shit, if you keep banging your head against a brick wall, eventually (laughs) cracks do appear. And, you know, I joke that it's all because of, you know, American media. And mostly it is with the public opinion, which is which is probably the most important thing. But, you know, we weren't doing nothing. You know, yeah. You're working on it. Yeah, it was it was something. And it would be nice to think that. um we did play a small part in getting this referendum. I mean, let's bloody hope it passes. Let's hope that was what I was saying. The Justice Department dragged their heels. So as soon as it was announced, we were like, all right, well, you better get started because this is going to take some time. Mm -hmm. Like you haven't even drafted anything up yet. You know, this shit takes a whole term basically. Um, And they didn't do it. They didn't do it. They didn't do it. They were just being lazy as there was a whole medical thing that was also agreed to. That was kind of pushed through and the referendum wasn't even thought about, but it's now been left too late where they weren't actually, they don't have time to draft a full bill sure. that would be passed. So with like the flag, they had a full bill that was like, this is exactly what will be triggered if you vote yes. Mm. You know, this is like, it's all set in stone. We've all voted for it. It can't be undone. Yeah. If the yet vote is yes, this has to happen. And and that's that. And and it all should have been written in and like all the nuances and intricacies, not just a yes vote. And then we'll figure out the details of the regulation after the election. Yeah, because what are you voting for? That's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And what if the government changes and all that stuff? But so now what they're saying they're going to do since they ran out of time for that, even though we told them that they should have gotten started earlier and we're running out of time, mm-hmm. um, is just a draft bill. So they're going to write the bill. They're going to have it all sorted and this is what it all is, but they're not actually going to put it to a vote. Sure. And so they'll pass a baby bill to allow us to vote on a referendum at the election and, and say that it, you know, is tied to this draft legislation, but there won't be a legally binding mechanism actually in place. 
hard and fast. It is because, you know, like whatever idiot doesn't respect the will of the people will have to endure that, but they will have the legal right to do that. Yeah, right. Uh, And if it's a change of government, there's a strange scenario in which we could end up with enough votes to have a majority for the referendum. Correct. But the National Party is returned. Yes, and they don't want it. Exactly, but then if if they have the majority and the referendum passes, then some of their voters did vote for the referendum. Yes, you and know, if they didn't respect it, it would be like you know, just not respecting the will of the people. Exactly, it'd be a right wing draconian party coming in, you know, doing what the fuck they want. Like yeah. we can't have that. I mean, New Zealand wouldn't really stand for that. I hope. Sure, but yeah, it's still a risk. Good. It's still a risk. Yeah, it is, and and you know what's interesting about that kind of political maneuvering that has happened for this referendum to get onto the table is that if it's all of a sudden not not convenient for these politicians to conduct the referendum, they are probably going to do all they can to shove it Well, away. and the problem is, with so the, the draft legislation is supposed to come out in March or April. Yeah, right. But these deadlines keep slipping, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we're supposed to... <laughs> theoretically everything we normally have public consultation right Mm -hmm. so they Mm -hmm. can't just release the draft and say this is it they have to release it and say give us your feedback on only these two points that we're allowing feedback (laughs) on that we're prepared to move on like they did with the medical but um but when are they going to even have time to do that i mean time is getting short and so if something happens between now and when they actually decide to unveil the draft legislation that spooks them or lowers their appetite they could they could deliberately sort of scuttle it like try to throw it you know on purpose because i i mean i can't really see this they've kind of tied themselves to it now like they have to do a really good job of educating the public and having it pass but having it be something that people can live with also Mm. um yeah yeah it's a big um you know as much as cannabis isn't you know, necessarily the major issue for a lot of people. It's a it's a big societal transformation bringing this thing that maybe you know ten twenty percent of the population uses. Well, people always say, "Oh, it's oh, there's much more important issues." I mean, okay, like it's not as immediate as a starving child right in front of you, but yeah, it's like yeah. it is an actually important issue. And it I'm sick of people issue. saying there's more important issues because there will be more important issues till the ho- cows come home. <laughs> exactly. And it is an important societal transformation. That, this is about liberty. Almost. Look, I mean, that's it's not going to end capitalism. No, um, that's true. But, but it might be a step towards <laughs> it. I agree. Uh, I agree. Uh, <laughs> we can live in hope. Yeah. Uh, I think um, what annoys me when people say like it's... Um, we've got bigger issues. It's like, yeah, but this is one we can fix very easily. Well, right. This is one we know the solution to. Yeah. 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 That's right. Like everything else. I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that line. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So have you heard about, or have you talked to anybody in the cannabis community in New Zealand about the, about how they're feeling when it comes to this referendum? Is there a bit of skepticism or? Oh, look, I mean, we don't know what we're voting on. Yeah. Yeah. But but we have to vote yes, right? I mean, this is our chance. Sure. Even if it's a shit sandwich, we have to eat it because <laughs> you can for improve. optics, for the reason of optics. If mm. we if if we don't pass it because it's not perfect enough, if we don't pass it even because it's actually worse, yeah, we we lose the argument. Yeah. Like that that could be a real risk of them checkmating us I into having to vote for something that actually. That 
yeah. like shackles us yeah, further, yeah. you know, like, yeah. and you have to give all your biometric identification every time you use it. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, something if like you that. Dr- if, uh, if you use it, you have to suspend your license. <laughs> yeah. Like, things like that. That's essentially what the Australian government would like. They'd love that. New Zealand does look, the one things they mention is always cannabis and driving. Yeah. Um, and, and it is, it's like, oh, we can't find this. I'm, I'm just hoping the government, like, luckily we had this, um, you know, New Zealand only has a single house as well. Yeah, right. And, like, we don't actually have, um, like, balance of powers with the judiciary or anything. So, sure. like, the court can only um, force people to comply with what parliament passed. Uh, and there's no check on that. Uh-huh. So if, if they pass a stupid law that says you have to walk on your hands and what, I mean, well, people have to do it. They yeah. The guns. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. They took all the guns. <laughs> 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 um, so, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a bit, it's, it's a bit of a risk with anything the New Zealand parliament does that if they do it in a fucked up way, it's just, it's the law now, mm. but things go back and forth. Like the next government always repeals the stuff of the previous <laughs> government and blah, blah, blah. You it's can like, have your different flavors of authoritarian <laughs> populism. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> As like, yeah. Do you, do you, do you hate hippies or do you love them? <laughs> yeah, it's like, That's the politics uh, of New Zealand. Uh, yeah. But, at least if you love hippies, then you have to allow weed. So that's, that's, right. that's what that's the new New Zealand, team. that's the new New Zealand is going to be. Um, <laughs> fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Well, geez. We're going to have to go to this museum, though, I think. I think we're going to have to visit. Oh, you museum. guys got a VIP um, pass <laughs> waiting you. Yes. I can't wait. And like, I mean, I, I guess. I to go to New Zealand my whole life. And I still oh, haven't. really? Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. Oh, well, now you have a destination. I mean, I obviously, obviously, if the referendum passes, <laughs> we'll be there. everybody will be buying everybody the $100 tickets for the weekend, yeah. you know, and so uh, you'll be kind of booked smoking so. their guts out. Yeah. Oh, we'll we'll have like a, a location in every neighborhood. Oh, uh, every chapter. Yeah. Um, awesome. Fingers crossed. I mean, that's so with this expansion we're doing now. Uh, you know, we moved from the little house, the flat that we started out in with Julian in Dunedin mm. to the main street of Dunedin. Oh, yeah, cool. And we made a big tourist attraction like on the main street, you know, in a commercial building with a cafe Sweet. and a head shop and an events venue That's and, awesome. you know, all sorts of stuff. And um, and that went really well. Yeah, that was awesome. And uh, from that. Uh, I started going to a lot more stuff. The industry's taking off. Hemp food was made legal. So we started having some conferences. I went up and met the um, uh, iconic New Zealand business entrepreneur, the founder of the brand Cookie Time, which if you've ever Uh flown on an Air New Zealand flight, you've been given a Cookie Time cookie. But Mm -hmm. it's kind of the big, it's in every dairy you know it's yeah, like the I've main convenience food yeah um <laughs> and so he kind of had a uh environmental awakening and is trying right. to atone for you know selling dairy and sugar the uh, to all these people for convenience foods and wants to have hemp and re- you know replace cows with cannabis and oh, hemp wow. and hemp foods and you could make the cookie time cookie with hemp um <laughs> and and everything and it, you'd taste no difference um it's so it could be a bit nutty yeah, no, no, it's it's amazingly you don't even taste it. Um, 
depending which part of the hemp you use. Uh, yeah, okay. Oh, okay you cool. know, like you can process the seed into like actual sort of, you know, like basically flour. processed food ingredients, though, you know, like not just flour, but like different grades of every kind mm. of weird food science shit they have, but That's just sweet. make it out of hemp Combine instead of hemp. milk waste or, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. animal waste or something. Um, but, uh, Yes. Ethical awakening. Yeah. Tell us a bit about the uh, crowdfunding. Yes, uh, that's, that was what I was talking about. Um, so we moved to the main street of Dunedin, and then I met this cookie time guy, and I had to move to Christchurch because my wife's career. My wife is a surgeon, um, okay. so for her to finish her training, she has to work in bigger hospitals now yeah, than Dunedin, yeah. and we had to move to Christchurch, and I met this iconic business entrepreneur who's in Christchurch who loves weed and he came and saw the museum and thought it was the coolest thing he'd ever seen and Amazing. Uh, basically it was like well we should do one in Christchurch yeah. and um, you know this time it's not just going to be an evolved sort of ragtag operation we're going to like Turn make it in. yeah go go big or go home and so awesome. that's the idea of the pledge me so we have secured a lease of uh, the two most iconic heritage buildings in Christchurch that yes. were saved from the earthquake and oh, restored. Wow. Uh, it's basically one block behind the square in Christchurch, which is an actual square. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's just in this just ripe opportunity for tourism. Uh, Christchurch CBD has, has finally kind of been restored eight years after the earthquake. The convention center is about to come on. Mm. We're going to start building a stadium soon. It's They've got all time. these sort of amenities are coming back now. And so... Yeah. Um, the idea, uh, yeah, was to make this flagship, just like we showed that if you do it right in the center of Dunedin, it can actually drive tourism to your Dunedin, town. It can yeah. be an economic contributor. Right. If you um, build it, they will come. Exactly, man. And I mean, you know, part, partially there's no competition. There's all this, For sure. you know, part of the promise of the cannabis industry is, is just this unreleased energy. Yeah, you it's know, potential. it's like Absolutely. whoever. Yeah, exactly. Whoever unlocks that. And it's not rocket science. I mean, you just have to plant the flag of cannabis and people start coming like moths to the flame, you know, yeah. and tourists Google it and you're good to go, basically. Yeah. So Nimbin. Yep. Kind of like growing a cannabis plant. Actually. Yeah. Just put it in the ground. And yeah. It's growing a cannabis community. And these <laughs> communities exist. The hardest part is actually the community part because yeah. people don't like to get it's along and you know like yeah. charismatic figures can be friends with a lot of people yeah. but when they all actually are around each other all the time it's they you know yeah things. exactly so that's what you got to manage but i wholeheartedly encourage i mean i i think you know for me it's worked because now that i moved to Christchurch, um you know i you need a person who's who's out there and willing to just waking up every morning wanting to do this and like not expecting anything out of it yeah and just driven to do it anyway because it's the right thing to do right. and that's when the rewards will come you know if it's somebody who's who's trying to jockey or manipulate or stroke their own ego it's just people aren't it's not going to get off the ground people aren't going to like it you know yeah. it's just it's going to be too obvious and so um like i would like to say everywhere can do this and should but sure. you need a certain person or, or group of people with a certain type of personality to drive it. It's a level of commitment. And so in Christchurch, it was just like, I happened to be moving there, so yeah, let's do it. You did it. You know, I'm going to yeah. do it wherever I am, basically. <laughs> cool. Um, and the museum follows you. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I want it to be everywhere. And like in Dunedin, we had sort of nucleated this great community and yeah. I had hoped that it could um, continue on its own steam. Sure. Uh, and, and, you know, my projection for this whole thing was first Dunedin, then Christchurch, then the world, mm. and we're just expanding. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, when you remove those charismatic personalities, um, you know, things can break down as well. Right. And so and it's about almost having that generational transition where people can. I mean, it, it's got to be sustainable, though. You have to be able to train people yeah. to actually self organize exactly. because. There's too much. You can't have a single point of failure. That's and so like Dunedin was not set up well enough um, to, you know, it, it, it's momentum petered out yeah, after right. I left, unfortunately. Wow. That's why um, franchises, you know, have that kind of, they've worked out all the kinks, you know. It has to be a business. I mean, yeah. this is the thing. It can't just be ragtag volunteers that come from a place of noth nothing to lose and no necessary skills but lots of free time sure it just has to it has to be leveled up because those it, it just puts people off automatically and like it's not fair that you know mainstream society is so judgmental and um you know like uh you know fickle based on appearances but they are yeah, and we sure. need them to come along for sure and so if that means you know politely asking certain people with a great heart to just not show up if they can't <laughs> clean up their appearance right. a little you know and look i, I mean, haven't shaved on... my beard in 20 years you know i sure. i i hated it when people said that to me i still yeah, hate it yeah. i have gotten a haircut i have started to wear like newer clothes but like um i still don't want to shave the beard because i don't want to feel like i sold out because someone told me i had to you <laughs> know what i mean that. Um, these beards now are cool. You know, yeah, exactly. Like they became trendy. This is the thing. <laughs> cannabis has become trendy. Yeah, so the true. beard and cannabis I didn't have to shed. <laughs> you instantly but now I can like... just be a white middle class capitalist and it's fine. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, I'm having an identity you. crisis, guys. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I guess when it comes to running a business or an enterprise, you can, and, and you said as well that you sort of didn't want a single, single point of failure, that there was a need to sort of diversify in terms of who held the skills and who held the energy and momentum within a movement. I don't know. I think a co cooperative would make sense if the laws were like in your favor. Well, yeah, I mean, and the skills and energy is one thing, but you can train people, but then like they get lured back by consumerist yeah. capitalism. You know, there's, uh, there's lots of incentives every day that's brainwashing them not to be altruistic, true. not to be community minded. True. So just as much as you do it, it's not a static thing. You have to keep putting in the work. Yeah. It can be undone immediately. That's so it's sad. not sustainable for a single person because you do it and you try to move on. There. And then, I mean, there's good ones, right? Yeah. There's really good ones. But then at the same time, they get snapped up by other organizations. Sure. There's always more important issues. They get incentivized away. Like, man, and the university is the breeding ground. When you have yeah. a 420 at the university, uh -huh. you have all the children of politicians and, you know, um, upper middle class people coming to you when they're malleable and like open minded. Yeah. And you can get them in that moment yes. and basically radicalize them for life. That's so true. You know, um, and but it, we're minting activists like for decades now, but yeah. it's just it's such a slow going. You, you get, you know, like maybe, you know, one out of a 100 is actually like. 
what you're looking for. Uh, the full package. Yeah, you know right. what I mean? Yeah. I get that. Yeah. Having and worked so, as an activist myself, I think I understand. Yeah. So yes. so the it really is about the community, but you need someone to to cohere that community together. For sure. Um, but but it's worth doing. I mean, it's hard hard thankless work, but it's worth doing. Yeah. Nice. I'm glad you've taken it on. I hope more people can hear this recording and, and maybe... Yeah, well, I just hope you guys evolve into a, a permanent flagship facility on the center of uh, South Bank there. And uh, then <laughs> yeah, then I would have found weed right when I first arrived. So it would have been all good. We need an infant center uh, in Brisbane. Uh, uh, I was thinking it, but I'm like, man, Queensland's fucked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, well, if we were elsewhere, It's maybe. up to you to unfuck it, boys. It is. Yeah. It is. It's that's, us. That's, that's exactly why we're here. Let's do it yourself. Oh. Well, I've quit the job. Yeah. Next year, fab full time. Let's go, boys. Next year is going to be the year of cannabis in Oceania. I yeah. love so. that you said that. It's going to be the year of cannabis all over the world. I think. That's Ooh. true, actually. It's cannabis is the most, Im- most important <laughs> plant in all of human history. And uh, yeah, it's <laughs> coming back. Take yeah. Its place. Yeah. Um, That's what fakamana means, by the way. Fakamana. It's like restoring mana. Mana is like the oh, yeah. Maori yeah. concept of um, status or yeah, like yeah. prestige, your mojo. And so That's how I cast spells. cannabis <laughs> mana has been stripped away by prohibition. Yeah. And we're bringing it back. So that's it also means empowerment because when protesters regain their mana they're empowered basically and so um nice. it's it's trying to bring back the most important plant into its rightful place i love that that should be a clip yep we can do that we can definitely. Make that a clip. get that on the internet and i might get it as a tattoo we'll see <laughs> thanks for thanks for talking with us it's yeah, been it's a great been, conversation thanks for having it's me guys really good all, all right. five episodes is great <laughs> <laughs> we're at about two hours <laughs> Um, well, so I used to have New Zealand's only cannabis themed radio show for 10 years. Yeah, right. You said that. And we would that, that evolved because I used to go to the student radio station, which was right next to student magazine that overlooked our 420 grounds and hang out with the DJs and like smoke up with them. Mm. And there was one reggae DJ in particular that was like so brazen and hu- huge dreads and he would just hotbox the studio every Saturday <laughs> as the best radio show still to this day probably one of the best reggae radio shows Fuck in all yeah. of Australia and New Zealand that's amazing um, Roots and Culture, Roots and Culture. Uh, on Radio 1 and yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. one of the other DJs was a friend of mine who was one of the staff members there and he was a huge stoner and one of the foundation members of the 420 and we would always smoke up when no one was around there so basically I knew that we could have a show like we had these sessions of all of us energized protesters coming back from the 420s you know talking about the week's events and we would always be getting stoned over at someone's flat and it was just these great philosophical news politics like chat sessions were like yeah we have to put this on the radio yeah yeah, yeah, you know and it's like and we can smoke up in the studio yeah so let's let's do it let's do it and uh, uh, yeah yeah and so uh yeah and we would do that and we were 9 to 11 on friday nights and for a lot of time there was no one after us or the guy after us would come and smoke with us. It was like a metal dude or he wouldn't even show up or he'd be like over an hour late because he was all drunk. Yeah. And so we would just go for like three or four hours. We'd have these crazy long form interviews, just <laughs> massive digressions and monologues. It was very reminiscent like of what we're doing. Now. radio style. Yeah, it was. To- I mean, it was. It was university radio. Yeah. yeah so um, even even more drug adult. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Well, um, it's it's been really cool to hear. I don't know your long story perspective. Two hours. Um, that's a good. That's maybe even a, a record. Long, a yeah, uh, we can definitely do something with that. Uh, um, yeah. I, I'll make sure to cut the bits out that are a bit slow and whatever. But I think the the main thing we, that we gleaned is that you have a pretty intimate knowledge of 
the scene in New Zealand and living and breathing. I mean, I've just been like, why is this not, what do, who do we need to talk? Like what the fuck is holding this <laughs> What's up? What's going on? Yeah, yeah. That's kind of what yeah. I've gotten to. It's like, I still haven't quite figured it out. I think it might be some high level conspiracy or something. Well, in the story, <laughs> I think it's that the UN and um, let's say big pharma, big money, because yeah. you've got opium production, which is very, very heavy in, in Australia. That trading. There's, there's, yeah, there's the 1961. That's the thing trading. we fail to appreciate. I mean, it's like, you know, cannabis is taking opiates out. Yeah, exactly. It's competition. You guys competition. are the number one heroin dealer yeah. to yep. the world. Yes. And, Legit. And yep. we're literally Everyone wants that oxy. Uh, <laughs> and we're trying to swap that. That's it's like, insane. dude. You guys are fucking like your arm's length removed though. Like all those companies in the U.S. are going bankrupt. Yeah, no, and you right. guys fucking grew the shit. <laughs> <laughs> We're just over here like I didn't do nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Like oh no, just growing agricultural commodity. Reframe one of the articles and talk about how the U.S. Uh, pharma companies are going out to cannabis. And how that's going to impact our opium exports if we're no longer if the world no longer wants opium. That's an interesting <coughs> topic. Like take it in that kind of way. I think there's a, a really big market for opium. That yeah, I don't think that will go, go away. away so. You need that <laughs> shit for like when you actually have surgery. Mm, mm. Weed doesn't fix all. But no, it's true. It's same close. with like um, the transition, you know, from like meat to plant based, and that that social shaming through wokeness, like don't underestimate uh -huh. that because that's really Values big right important. now. And so if you could say like. Basically, I don't agree with this, but the rest of the world is going to shame us for the opiate. So we're going to have to do this cannabis. Yeah, yeah. I, I wish we didn't, but I mean, we're going to have to. We're already yeah. got so many problems uh, with human rights abuses. I mean, the U.S. Yeah, kick yeah. us out. I, I mean. think Australia is, um, yes, <laughs> they're not really shy about uh, uh, flaunting international yeah. law. <laughs> Maybe we could try it on cannabis. Uh, Let's exactly. Give it a go. What the fuck? Well, now, one thing that you guys really need to look into. Do you know anything about Norfolk Island? Yeah, I do. A little. A little bit, at least. Do you know about the cannabis stuff that's no, been going you on there? let me know about that. What is it? What, what's going on in Norfolk Island? Norfolk Island was going to secede from Australia. What the fuck? I didn't yeah, know that. Because wow. Norfolk is supposed to be, well, they used to be independent. Yeah, of course. They had their own parliament. They make their own laws. And, and Australia just kind of, uh, for... For tax reasons, because they had no infrastructure, <laughs> provided some of the social services to them, yeah, right? Okay. Um, but but they were autonomous, yeah. And they were going to legalize cannabis to become an international sort of spa, oh, cannabis tourist this. destination in about 2013, I guess. Yeah, oh, way back. Um, yeah, that's when I just started looking at cannabis, and that got me really excited. Yeah. And uh, well, yeah, it's actually closer to New Zealand. Um, sure. so, so we were pretty excited too, because it's like equidistant, you know, for Australia and New Zealand, like it would have been great any, any legal cannabis anywhere near was good enough. You know, like if New Zealand wasn't going to do it and there's an Island next door, let's move there, you know? Yeah, um, sure. and, and my colleague Julian actually, um, at this time when this was going on, managed to speak to some people there and secure, uh, agreement to lease land wow. and like. He was getting all ready to like go there. Yeah. And um, the Australian government actually decided to remove Norfolk's independence over this, wow. dissolve their parliament against their will, and incorporated that. them into the state of New South Wales. What the fuck? So that they are now subject to the laws of That's New South bullshit. Wales. Yeah. And actually, there was almost an insurrection. And there yeah. was a guy from New Zealand 
who is going to bring weapons over there. Oh my um, who was actually like, because they stripped the, the native inhabitants of the island yeah, they're of their actual authority. Wow. And um, people were pretty up in arms about it and they were going to do something. And we interviewed one of the um, independence leaders on our cannabis radio show over it a couple yeah. of times. Um, and I don't know what happened, but I mean, obviously they managed to kind of subdue them and bet in the absorption. Um, but it was all because of cannabis, because Norfolk was going to try to legalize and be a, a tourist spa destination for medical I cannabis. No idea and that was, yeah, that was six years article. ago. Yeah. Far and out. so it's worth finding out because I think Australia doesn't really want them anymore. Like wow. they didn't even want them in the first place. And then it's like, <laughs> there was some shit recently about, oh, should Norfolk join New Zealand? Cause like, that's They're actually, there's more cultural connection yeah. there. Yeah. But, um, you know. If New Zealand's about to legalize cannabis, then I guess it's kind of a moot point. But um, there's <laughs> that weird like, backstory. Yeah. Be, maybe that's how they do it. The bill becomes, you're allowed to smoke it on New Folk Island, and that's it. That's where the social clubs are. Yeah, right, it. right, right. Like, that's yeah, the yeah. new law. We're, the you get, we're legalizing cannabis, up. and we're taking, we're absorbing oh, Norfolk Island. And turning it into the cannabis. cannabis hub. But see that, see, that really makes... If that happened, that's like a fantasy where New Zealand is the full-blown anti-Australia because we uh -huh. have like island camps for people to smoke cannabis. <laughs> <laughs> wow, right. I think I'm becoming an immigrant. <laughs> we'll, we'll just hey, well, we don't know if that's going to happen. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm yeah, but if Norfolk Island gets their shit together, I mean, yeah, that could be cool. Yeah, that could be cool. That'd be a really good place to go. Like, and beyond that, I guess it's just you know you see there's momentum everywhere. In New Zealand, in exactly. Australia. I mean, Victoria. Yeah, we're gonna oh. get left behind. New Zealand is an agricultural innovator. Like our hort tech industry is only rivaled by our tourism industry. Yeah, and like our, you know, our hort tech graduates are like leading of the world. We're developing like the the newest fucking technical shit in any species that we care to try to seriously dabble in. Yeah, if we had gone on cannabis uh, seventeen years ago. We would be the world leaders of yeah, the yeah. most It'd valuable commodity different. in the world. Wow. Like, and we missed that, that boat, you know, yeah. and our horticultural industry saw the same thing happen with opium when Ozzy got it and we didn't. Mm. Um, and it's kind of like, uh, yeah, we need to correct that before it's too late. For sure. And yeah. beyond that, I mean, and Australia too. I mean, you don't so want to get left behind industries that are based upon plastic here in Australia. Cause it's the cheapest material available Yeah. because hemp isn't this thing, which is widely ubiquitous. Um, I think there's plenty of opportunities to substitute our current materials and resources with different ones, such as hemp. Exactly. Yeah. Wool, meat, milk, plastic. I mean, all of those, all of those, current that. commodities that we're used to do and how we still have the infrastructure to make them into shit. Yeah. We yeah. can make the feedstock with hemp. We, yeah. we know that now. Um, and it's coming. I mean, the Australian hemp industry is something to be proud of. The Australian cannabis yes. industry is a joke, but yeah. the Australian hemp industry is a I major player, agree with that, major sure. player. Um, so, and we've been that way since Federation, like it's yeah. been one of those things. Yeah. Australian hemp has been going strong. Um, and, all those dudes are heads. Like, I mean, they're right. just like playing it straight, but yeah, they're yeah. like, you know, their other businesses are in Spain and the Netherlands and back in Canada. <laughs> so, I mean, go figure. Yeah. For sure. 
You've also got uh, Thailand in the region. Like, you know, they did the medicinal and they're Mm -hmm. looking to allow their citizens to grow. There's 10 countries looking at legalizing in 2020. New Zealand's just one of them. Well, when you put Um, it that way. Yeah. You could see an explosion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like, and there's going to be competition. I mean, everybody's talking about Colombia. Yeah. Um, You know, don't. The Latin American areas, I think, will be interesting. Yeah. The war on drugs in the United States is really dependent upon the criminal trade down south but if you're talking about supply contracts with a canadian medical cannabis company the price of cannabis from a colombian medical cannabis company mm. where mm. they have no labor laws yeah um the regulation is, is basically like that's just you know once third world countries decide oh we want to take a, oh we were just doing this persecuting people because the western colonialists told us we had to now they're making money off it Fuck it, we're gonna make money off it, yeah. and we will smash you basically. So get the competitive because we're in an agricultural region, and mm. we don't pay the workers; we just enslave them. So that's <laughs> happened in basically every other industry. That's really a stupid point. Mm. You do well, see that's that. what I mean. That's what I'm saying. Like, legalizing cannabis is not going to end capitalism. Like, no, you it's going to be commodified immediately. Even when cannabis was the most valuable commodity in the world before prohibition ended, the age of cannabis. Mm. Um, there was, you know, robber barons that were making out on cannabis. It was just the ones that, you know, had this interlocking complex of pharmaceuticals and plastic and newsprint paper that, that agreed to conspire to push reefer madness. To push it down. Um, but when cannabis comes back, there's still going to be people making money out of it. Right. And like the average, you know, um, lower income or lower education person, or even uh, just any person without an econ- without capital. Yeah, it's just cap, just lack of capital. Straight like up. you're not gonna be able to do anything because well, that's, that's how, how the, the world game works. works. Exactly. Yeah, there's this aspect to being able to apply yourself when you have those resources, when you have that capital available, and with that being exponential. Like if you have a million or a billion dollars, you can just inject money into something. Mm. Um, exactly, and you don't even have to have talent if you have enough capital. So. <laughs> exactly, yeah. you get other people to do your shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's there's definitely uh, rules that that work within the global market that that are really going to influence the outcome of whatever legislation is going to be tabled because that's how it works. And the politicians are in. Well, this bed is the, the annoying companies. thing in New Zealand. They're trying to be too woke again. Like, uh, yeah. they really don't want to, you know, they want to stick it to all this angst about the excesses of capitalism. They want to realize that through just this one piece of cannabis legislation <laughs> and nothing else. You know, they don't want to change the system, but they just want to get that this, angst this out cathartically thing. by punishing the stoners so that we can't actually have access. <laughs> right. Um, that's how I see it. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. fuck, I don't want if fucking capitalist media companies and plastic companies and alcohol companies are going to dominate my life. Sure. I would rather have a cannabis company in the mix. Yep, you know, yep. I don't want them to be hobbled as some like, you know, look, I'm still going to buy craft cannabis from people that I know and trust. But it's like it's not going to be a level playing field. Right. You know, if you hobble the industry and yeah, it's like yeah. i don't want to sound like some shill but no, it's like straight up like the coolest places where it's all thriving the culture is thriving because the industry is there sure. and they have a financial interest to promote the culture so they've just like every other space. aspect of culture yeah kind is of promoted by corporations basically you know because there's no uh you know non-commodified space to do these things nope. you've just got to function within that space and beyond that i i don't know i think there's 
Look, I mean, you can go live in the bush as a hermit if you want to. Yeah. And in New Zealand, it's more realistic than probably <laughs> anywhere else. Sure. And if you could grow a cannabis plant and the government couldn't come and, you know, take your little slice of heaven away from you, mm. that would be great. It would and be And some great. people will do that. And that was originally what I wanted to do. Sure. And I might still do that. Yeah, it sounds But, um, you know, if if there's an industry that is thriving and there's still work to be done and I can actually realize my yeah. creative potential and have an intellectual challenge every day and be paid for it. Sure. That's right. not as bad as it sounded when I thought that it was all you had to be straight. Right. You know? Right. right. Um, so yeah, you gotta, you gotta weigh those things up. Part of it's just getting older. I, I'm turning right wing. I hear, that. I hear that. Yeah. <laughs> I think that you have an experience of being able to see other perspectives that, Maybe like in your early years, in your like early 20s, um, you can see a lot of the unjust aspects of the world and you can see like social justice becomes a very important theme in mm. university. Um, and then you have other themes as you move on later in life, like, you know, financial stability and security, yes, dependency. Exactly. I think those things you figure out as you progress. Um, but still, I've, I've met a lot of people who are older who seem to be able to hold space for both sides of the spectrum or, you know, yeah. they, can see, they can see that there's more going on than just a conservative or liberal talking point. Yeah, and I mean, like, I'm not against social justice. Like, I, I don't want the only cannabis companies in New Zealand to be, like, white male arch capitalists. Yeah, right. But in It also so doesn't um, appeal to me that, like, all of the CEOs of these big companies are, you know, women or... Like, because particularly we're talking about, I guess, a class issue. Like, ideally, if we're going to have a situation where cannabis is legalized, you have a few different levels to it. You've got the commercial industry, which is basically regulated by some kind of agency, but it's not overly, like, you know, uh, I don't know, prohibitory in the sense that it prevents people from actually selling the shit and giving people access. And then additionally, you can have just people planning the shit in their house right like you were saying and the sharing exactly and that and that to me seems like a really reasonable system because you're not um forcing people to you know buy into this large corporate scheme and people can do it themselves but also the product is available in the store if you want it just yeah. like any, anything else. well and that's and that's the thing and it's like i mean um you know people can brew beer at home if they want to. that's right but nobody really does. You know? <laughs> yeah, a lot of I people mean, don't. Work does. Yeah, some people do. Oh boy, I've tried they're... it. It actually made me vomit. Uh, <laughs> it was so bad. It is pretty hit and miss. Yeah, it yeah. It was so. this like dark <laughs> ale and I was just like, yeah. nah, nah, yeah. nah. Always got food safety issues with the, uh, you know, unlicensed <laughs> producers. Yes. Um, and that's a big problem with our illegal cannabis industry is that just the unregulated bullshit that happens but mm, i know and this is the this is the dichotomy we're having in the debate in new zealand at the moment it's like people don't want big cannabis yeah yeah but they do want a heavily regulated industry sure sure it's very difficult. so you can't have a giant compliance cost burden and only have mom and pop craft producers <laughs> because it just doesn't work like that. For sure. Yeah. So you can't really please everyone in no. this situation. You can't. You either have to say, if you want a gray market like California, shit, I'm all for it. Because yeah. I know how to tell quality. Right, right. But the average fucking naive new user doesn't. And they'll get sold snake oil. That's true. You know? That's true. Um, so... Yeah, it's it's a paradox. Yeah, people yeah. have to figure out how they want it. 
and and look maybe we can find a great example and like maybe we can just do this one thing that just shows the way on all other things yeah but it's like don't we then run the risk of kind of like you know no one's going to substitute alcohol cannabis for alcohol if the shops are never open and they don't have very many products and they're not attractively marketed. And then you do have all these 24 hour attractively marketed alcohol products. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying that's good, Yeah, yeah. but if you're not going to lower the threshold for that and level the playing field, then you need to put cannabis out there as a proactive measure right, right. just as much. And to be because honest, you're not going to get the benefits. There's a weird feeling that like, okay, you know, at least in Australia, we approach nicotine tobacco with the plain packaging and the mm-hmm. really ugly looking stuff. Um, so, you know, some some drugs, some substances here are treated differently to others. Exactly. Right? But that actually is part of the public perception. So the government did that intentionally to, like, give cigarettes and tobacco a bad name. Right. That, like, I mean, a lot if of... If you treated alcohol that way, then people would think, well, cigarettes aren't... That, they're just the right. same as alcohol. I love alcohol. So it's fine. If you're to make cannabis a plain packaging thing, for instance... You're sending people a message that it's more harmful than alcohol, yes, which is marketed. Exactly. That's what I'm TV. saying. So it's like, I again, I'm not trying to shill for the industry. But realistically, if we're not going to end capitalism immediately for everyone. I am in favor of that, by the way. Exactly. <laughs> Let's do that. But I mean, are we going to do that first or are we going to do this first? <laughs> we got to do one at I a like, time. Like and we can't, we can't let our anxieties about one yes. bleed into yeah. the other because we're never going to do it. So we're going to try to act that out through this. That's sure, not fair. Sure. Yeah. We need to take action. Yeah. That's important. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's a good place to end. We, we tried to end before. We could but, go. Yeah, we could keep yeah. going. We could keep going. <laughs> I've got, I'm, a, yeah. I'm, I could go all night. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we'll have you again if you Please. Come well, when you come to Christchurch. Ooh, yeah, I can that's just bring right. the, uh, portable Zoom. Yeah, we'll, when we'll you do guys come, because you guys are going to blow up so much from this interview, probably. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm thinking we should uh, do a series of stuff that's happened in New Zealand just to grab them to come to us. Man, so I'd love like, that. No, no, but you guys will get a budget. I predict that you guys will get a budget and you will be flying to New Zealand on the dime of some, you know, startup cannabis companies that are funding you to project this cannabis culture Australia and how, you know, New Zealand's fucking making us look like a joke. We need to up our game. Man, yeah. I want to manifest I'll that. Uh, <laughs> problem. Uh, yeah. We'll talk about Lord of the Ring pot tours. Oh yeah. Oh mate, we'll have it. We'll we have, have it ready friend. by then. We yeah. have a friend who's really into the cannabis tours stuff. Oh uh, yeah, we have a friend who's a travel agent, and um, we've set up like uh, sort of international travel, mainly to the US and Amsterdam, where you get like picked up, dropped off at a dispensary, go to a weed friendly hotel. Well, if New Zealand happens, he's in Australia. This could take off even quicker. Oh yes, right? oh so yes, much cheaper um, price point. You could be, yeah, you could be marketing this to yeah, like, no uh, you know, yeah. Uh, let uh, just if anyone's looking for it, it'll come up soon as token travel. Nice. Yeah, which is a good name. We came up in with that like in like twelve minutes. I think <laughs> it was just like we just started spitballing. Name generators. Like, token travel, and we started with like token travel. Like, no, that sounds off. And anyway, yeah, the whole thing. It's like it's bud and breakfast. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, <laughs> that's included in the fly we did at the Hemp Expo, the bud and breakfast experience. Mm. Got to mm. do it, mate. Mm. Well, yeah, you send them our way. I'm so keen. Uh, <laughs> we will. All right. We'll, we'll actually put you on the on the little. Yeah, yeah, thing. we're good to go. Yep. yep. You won't feel prohibition if you're in our hands. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a relief. Yeah. <laughs> mm. 
Okay, well, maybe signing off from here, but thanks so much for being on our podcast. Thank you very much. Had a great Thank time. Thank you. Thank you.